If I can get everybody headed in the direction of what looks like to be a place to sit down, I'll go over some announcements and we'll get started this morning. This week, this week, this week, Friday night, March the 12th, right here in the CLC building, meal at 5 o'clock, event at 6.15. Um, we'll be having our women's conference. Uh, Miss April will be our guest speaker this year. Um, tickets are, how much are tickets? $15. You can get those through Miss Tara um, or Miss Christy Lane. I seen Christy here earlier this morning. There she is. Miss Christie's here today. She can, she's got tickets. You can get them through her. If you want to donate a door prize, you can get those to Miss Christie or Miss Tara. And if you are a man and would like to help with the event, you can see Miss Linda. Where are you at, Linda? You in here? There you are. Uh, you can see Miss Linda Harwell, and uh, she can get you hooked up with that. What you need to wear and when you need to be here. I think it's four o'clock. Be here no later than four o'clock. 4.30 be good. Right. Amen. So if you want to do that, uh, black pants and white or red shirt, right? So if you want to do that and you're interested in doing that and you're able to do that and all that kind of stuff, if you would see Miss Linda, um, she will get you uh, where you need to be on at the right time. Um Marriage retreat dates May 27th through May 30th. May 27th through 30th, that is a Thursday through a Sunday. We do have about five spots available. Um, two rules, you have to be married. You have to take the person you're married to. I mean, I just, you know, no kids, no pets. No kids, no pets. That is May 27th through the 30th. We do have about five spots still available. They range anything from you don't pay nothing to you pay the full price, full price 340 bucks. We have some spots that lack about $155 on them, or we have a spot or two that, hasn't, uh, that has been fully paid for and it won't cost you nothing. Since we've been doing this, this will be about number 11 or 12. I lost count because we skipped a year. Um, since 2009 minus a year, whatever that is, Cody. That's how long we've been doing it, and we've always said we don't want anybody to not go that wants to go. So if the only reason you can't go is finances, let us know. We'll find a way. We'll make a way. Um, uh, we'll be in uh, Hidden Mountain Resort in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, is where we'll be holding it at this year. It's a wonderful place. We've been there. Uh, one time, the last time we was there, we were in the basement of the Big Lodge having our event. This time, we moved on up, and we have the Big Lodge. It'll hold about 400 folks. Um, it's a superb place to have an event, um, and we are absolutely excited uh, to be able to do that, and it is going to be a wonderful time. Another church, uh, our friends from Kentucky, will be meeting us there. You'll arrive on a Thursday. Once you get there on Thursday, uh, we got you covered if you want us to, three meals a day, Friday and Saturday, um, and we take care of supper on Thursday, so all you got to do is get yourself there and be fed, you know, through that day, and then um, get yourself back home come Sunday. We'd love to have you th this week, it fell the week before Memorial Day, so we'll be there Thursday through Sunday, and then you still got another day off on Monday, come home and recoup and all that kind of stuff, so... 
We have some spots you can see myself or my wife. Uh, say it again. Oh, if you owe, if you still owe, if you paid part of yours last year and, and you still owe, we need to start getting that money in. It's coming up on us, and we got to get that money sent in to them. Um, so we, we need you to finish out your payments if, if you're one that hasn't paid in full to this point. Miss Anel. Is there any other announcement that I've missed while she's on her way? Yes, sir. This monitor here we go. Yep. Just had to check. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm here to give y'all an update on the ultrasound machine for Life Choice. Um, some of you may not be aware, but we've been trying to raise money. Not even it's not even been two two months yet. I think it was January 17th, Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we put our chicken buckets back there and we raised $2,518 at this church. The cost of the ultrasound machine is $30,000. What I didn't know for sure at that point, at that time, was whether this fun, this matching funds was gonna come through. And uh, there's a an organization in Washington State called For Us and they match funds for uh, uh, pregnancy resource centers purchases of ultrasound machines. And it came through, so that put <laughs> that put us down to needing fifteen thousand dollars minimum to, to for the purchase of the ultrasound machine. And as of today, um, we have raised well, we have had pledges and and money collected a little over nineteen thousand dollars. I'm not sure exactly how that how that's going to work because I think some of it was pledged actually to the Baptist administration. Ministerial Association. Anyway, we've got the money. It's purchased. It's ordered. It's coming in next week or this week, rather. And that's in less than in less than two months' time. So, uh, I would like to thank Mr. Tim Guthrie for his, this. Was God put this on his heart? Uh, we had. Oh, oh, that's what it's that supposed really to sound loud. like. <laughs> uh, okay, well, this is intimidating now. Uh, <laughs> um, I've lost my train. Yeah, okay, anyway, so, so we, uh, we had shut it down. We had a plan, and that plan wasn't going to come to fruition until we opened back up. And Tim, uh, I think God placed it on his heart that... Uh, we could just raise the money ourselves, and so it, it was. Went, it went out to the community. It went out to the churches, the Baptist Ministerial Association. Anyway, we got the money. Um, the uh, 
we, there are other expenses like uh, an exam table, which we bought a secondhand exam table for a hundred dollars, and uh, you'll have to we'll have to buy paper for the table and gel for the ultrasounds, and um, we had to join an organization called National Institute of Family Life Advocates, which is three hundred ninety-five dollars a year, and they advocate for you. It's kind of almost like insurance or lawyers, uh, if in case you have a a lawsuit against you or, you know, in case the government decides to take your rights. I mean, can't imagine that, right? <laughs> but um, anyway, that's $395 and then a yearly maintenance fee, which I'm not sure how much that is. Uh, we will be getting this up and running probably within the next couple of months. We have to have a, a trainer come out from Washington State to train on the ultrasound usage. And I guess that's it. I just want to say thank y'all because this is the most giving church that I have ever seen in my life and and so supportive of life choice and uh, again this was this was a dream that the the board had way before I came aboard um, this was it just seemed unattainable to them so anyway thank y'all very much and uh, if y'all have any other if y'all have any questions you know catch me I, I may know the answer if not I'll circle back to you
Y'all staying with us. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, you give and take away, you give and take away. Blessed be your name, you give and take away, you give and take away, the heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away this thing one more time. You give 
Last week, um, I talked about um, being salt and light. And when I got done, Ralph come to me afterwards and he said, have you ever seen that, um, I'm putting them right in y'all's way. Um, have you ever seen the experiment involving salt and light? And I said, well, I have, but I didn't think anything about doing this. He said, well, I'm going to get permission and do it at a small group tomorrow night. And I said, that'll be cool. So he and I done it at small group Monday night. Boy, the struggle is real this morning. I hope, I hope this goes well because if this gets sideways, this is going to be a real show. So we done it at small group uh, Monday night, and uh, everybody was like, you've got to do that. Sunday. You've got to show, everybody's got to see this. I mean, that's just unbelievable. 
So I'm going to tell you, grab a hold of your kids. Don't let them be running right now because what we've got is a pan with a cord that is cut in two. That, that's, that, that's, that's one end of the cord. That's the other. Now, if any of you know anything, we're going to plug this up and we're going to pour water in this pan. So don't nobody come running up here and grab the pan. Don't stick your hand in there. Kids, don't try. This is dangerous. But it has. <laughs> we may rethink the baptism tank after this. Um, so, you know, just a heads up. Number one, don't, don't do this at home unsupervised. It's, it's very dangerous. And number two, hang on to them and don't let them come running up here and get near this water we're fixing to pour in this pan because you become a conductor. What I'm fixing to show you is water is not a conductor. Okay? So we're going to plug it up. This is live. This is real. That is electricity. That is a broken cord inside this pan. And, and he's invited the blind guy to help. So we got power going to the cord now, a cut cord in a pan, <laughs> in a pan of water. The line. This is this is why women live longer than men. This is one of the reasons. The light is on. The switch is on. The light is plugged up. There is power there. We have put water. Some of you guys are going, I can't believe you did that. We have poured water in there. That is live. Now, there's, I don't believe in coincidences. And when we talk about salt and light, Jesus gave us instruction to be salt and to be light. I told you last week that salt has two main purposes, and that is to season and preserve. Salt does something else, too. Salt is a conductor. Salt is a conductor of electricity. Right now we have, go ahead, we have live water, live wire with water in it, no light on. <clears throat> Ralph's just going to start adding a little bit of salt. He's just going to add a little at a time. Just a little bit. It don't take a lot. Hang on, hang on, stop Ralph, stop Ralph. All right, you see what's happened? The light came on. The only thing we did was add salt. There's no coincidence that God tells you to be salt and light. If you don't have salt, you don't produce light, right? We had it plugged up. Just water wasn't enough. We added a little salt. Add a little more salt, Ralph. The more salt you add the more it becomes conductive and the brighter the light gets. The more salty you are, the brighter your light shines. What about that? Huh? Yeah, some of y'all sitting over there with your mouth hung open going, really? You didn't think that would work, right? Again, don't try this at home. We're going to unplug right quick and get it all undone. So we don't have no accidents. So, in order for you to shine your light, you must be salty. 
because salt is a conductor of electricity, unlike water. Everybody thinks water is a conductor of electricity. It's not really the conductor. The reason it shocks you is because you are. You're, you become the conductor when you enter the water. Now the electricity is trying to get from point A to point B through you. That's why you get shocked when you put... So water's not a conductor, but salt is. You can add salt to that water. It becomes a conductor of electricity. We'll continue on that mindset this morning in Colossians chapter 1. Thank you, Ralph and Sean, by the way. See, when you're going to do something dangerous like that, you always volunteer somebody else to actually do it, and you just kind of stand there and talk about it. That way, if it goes sideways... Oh, yeah, they did volunteer, my bad. Right, right. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll read 1 through 14. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse, uh, yeah, chapter 1, starting in verse 1, we'll go through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossus, great grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is being fruit, uh, bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened by all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again, I come to you to say thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your house this morning. I pray, Father, for your guidance and your direction as, as um, I, I 
come before this congregation, Father. I, I pray that my opinions and my, my ideas would be bound up, Father, that everything that comes out of me is, is what you desire to be said. Father, I, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the instruction that it brings. I thank you for the correction that it brings. Father, I thank you for the promises that it brings. I ask, Father, that you would just allow us to uh, understand what we see and understand what we hear this morning, that you would provide us with a, with a wisdom and, and an understanding, Father. We thank you. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul starts out uh, this letter to the church at, is it Colossae or just Coloss? Coloss, Colossae. Tomato, tomato. The Colossian people, you know what I'm saying? The Colossian people, right. So Paul is, is, is writing this letter to, to this church in, in uh in Colossians, <laughs> it's horrible to struggle the way I do with English language and be from here all my life. I met two kids from Guatemala yesterday. They're not kids anymore. Both are now 18 years old, and I promise you they speak better English than I do. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's just embarrassing. It's what it is that people from other countries speak this language that I've known all my life better than I do. Paul is writing this letter to whoever it is that he's writing to, and he starts off with a greeting, as he always does. And there's, there's a couple of things I want to point out to you in the greeting before we get down into uh, the rest of the letter. But in the greeting, Paul says in verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ. Well, because my pastor has taught me how to study my Bible a little bit better and I've learned how to do like word studies and stuff and I've, I've learned how to use all these tools that are at our disposal, I decided to do a word study on the word saints to find out who it is that Paul's actually writing this letter to. Who's he talking to? Well, I, I found out that the saints are all the Christians. Not just a set-apart group of Christians, not just a certain group of Christians, but I also found out that in the society that you and I live in today, saint, calling, calling someone saint or calling yourself saint is just almost a dirty word. It's like when you refer to yourself or your brothers as a saint, it's like you're looking down your nose at the rest of the world. That's, that's, the, that's the flavor that's been given it by our society. That somehow, some way, you're automatically a hypocrite if you refer to yourself or somebody else as a saint. So I went and looked up the word saint, and I did this Greek thing. I'm hoping I'm better with the Greek language than I am the English language, right? Hagios. Hagios is the original word, and it means sacred or holy. So I kept digging and kept looking and it says set apart by or for God. A saint is someone who is set apart, either set apart by God or set apart for God. 
All right, I went a little further. And it says, the likeness of nature with the Lord because you are different from the world. So Paul is writing this letter to the church and he calls them saints and fellow brothers. Well, come to find out the word saint just is the same thing as almost Christian. He's talking to the church. So you and I shouldn't feel that to be called a saint or to be pointed at and said, look, he's a saint, is some kind of derogatory statement that it sets us in some special place except for the fact that according to God, you've been set in a special place. You've been set apart. You've been separated. As a Christian, as a follower of God, as a saint, we are set apart. We're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. Right? We are supposed to be holy. Not because I'm holy, but because He's holy and I'm His. Right? That's what we're supposed to be. It shouldn't be some kind of, some kind of demeaning atmosphere around these words and these callings on our lives. God called us that. And if he refers to me as that, I should be proud. It's just like me being a pastor. I'm not a pastor because I chose to be a pastor. I'm a pastor because God chose me. God chose me to do this. He called me out and I answered. That doesn't make me any better or any different from anything else other than the thing he called and I answered. That's it. That's all I've got to do with it. Being called a saint, being called holy, being called a Christian should not make you feel small. It should actually make you want to stand up straight and go, yeah, God chose me. And we should be proud of that. It should motivate us to things like trying to be light and trying to be salt, right? So my thinking was, after I left last Sunday and thinking about salt and light and, and kind of going over in my mind, um, you know, because what I write on paper and what comes out my mouth isn't always the same thing. Just, just the way it is. So I always kind of have to do a review, a backup over my sermons and see what actually came out of my mouth versus what I had intended to come out of my mouth so that I can see where, you know, I need to go next. And I got to thinking about it, and I got to studying it and considering it, and I think I've got a bad habit of telling you what you should do without telling you how to do it. In other words, I come in here and, and spend 30, 45 an hour hollering, be salt, be light, but I don't ever show you the part where God shows you what that looks like. So if you're going to be salt and you're going to be light, you're going to, it's like coming in here and going, walk in the Spirit, and then not tell you what it means to walk in the Spirit. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I've done that. So I thought I would back up this morning and try to give you some insight to where our source of being salt and light is, what, what, what is required or what you can do to be salty, what you can do to be light. So that's where we're at this morning. The first thing is Paul is talking to the saints, all the saints, with these instructions that are about to come. So first, he kind of brags on you a little bit, or brags on this church a little bit in verse uh, 3. And Paul says, 
We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So Paul is thankful for this group of people. He's thankful for these saints, right? We always, when we pray for you, we're thankful for you. When, when we pray for you, when you come to our mind and you come to our prayers, then we become thankful that you exist. We're thankful for you. How many of you have ever been in a place where you were thankful for those people? You were thankful they were there when they were there. You, you were thankful that they were obedient when they were obedient. You were thankful that they were able to help be the people that lifted you up out of a deep, dark place. Maybe God used a specific person as a tool in your life to, to bring you through a hard time or a rough time or a testing time or a trying time. And, and so you know what that feels like to just be thankful for somebody. You're, you're, just, you're just thankful, just overflowing with thankfulness for a person or a group of people. If you know what that feels like and those people exist today, man, I wish you'd take the time to let them know that you're thankful for them, that you're grateful that they do what they do, that you're thankful that God has put them in your life. Let them know. Let them, let them know that. Paul always does that. He always lets people know exactly where he stands and exactly how he feels about them. And when he's thankful, he lets it be known. Hey, we're thankful for you. And he says every time we pray, we're thankful for you. But there's a reason in particular that he's thankful for this particular bunch of people. Let's keep reading. Why is he thankful for them? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. I'm, I'm thankful for you <coughs> since I've heard of your faith in Christ and your love for all the saints. Who are the saints? That word, I went and checked. I made sure this, I checked myself. That's the same word. It, it wasn't just a translation thing. That's the same word. I'm thankful for your faith in Christ and I'm thankful for your love for all the saints. Think about that. Their, their love for one another. Remember us talking about the one another's? It's kind of how we got to where we are. We talked about the one another's. And here Paul goes, I'm thankful for your faith in Christ and I'm thankful for your love for all the saints. Your love for one another. Right? That's, that's what he's telling them. Now he goes a step further. That He says, I'm thankful for you because of this. And then he tells them where that came from. He's fixing to tell them why they have the faith they have and why they have the love they have. And you and I need to know that part, right? So how did they get to this part of their faith that it makes Paul thankful for them? How do they get to a, a part in their walk with Christ that their love for one another shines so brightly that somebody points at it and goes, I'm thankful for you in that. Well, he tells us. He tells us just one, just right, right behind where we start reading. Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The reason they have faith in Christ, the reason they have love for one another is because they have hope. And their hope 
isn't based on anything in this world. Their hope isn't based on the return they're getting from their hard work today. Their hope is based on the promises of God. Do you realize that the more you and I know about God, the stronger the pull is and more the love is that we have for Him? The more we know, right? The more we understand His promises, the more we understand what's laid up in the future, the closer it draws us to Him and the stronger our love for Him, the stronger our desire for Him gets. Paul said these folks are in a place that he can be thankful for them because of their understanding of what's laid up for them, that what's laid up for them has given them a hope. And that hope has called them to have faith in Christ and love for one another. Do you know what Jesus said all the law hangs on? He said everything you know about the Old Testament rests on two things. Anybody want to guess what that is? Love of... God and your love of one another. It all, it all hangs in the balance depending. Every, you can fulfill everything in the old law if you'll love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and you'll love one another. So how are you going to uncover that? See, that's the light that the world needs to see, right? That, that's the light, that's the saltiness that they need to be flavored with, that they need to be seasoned with, is that love for God and love for one another. So how are we going to get that? Because we're not born with it. Each and every one of us are selfish at birth, right? Just, just I mean, our default settings is just straight up nasty, sinful selfishness. So how in the world are we going to get to a place where somebody can look at us like, Paul did this church and go, I'm thankful for you every time I pray for you. And here's what I'm thankful for. Your faith in Christ and your love for one another. Well, we're going to get it from the same place they got it from. First, we've got to get our focus and our hope in the right things. See, right now, our hope's in the wrong stuff. And over the past year, at least, it's all let us down. Every one of us that hoped in a job that went away. Every one of us that hoped in a career that ain't what it was before. Every one of us that had to set it to house and, and our hope is gone if we were in that boat, right? That boat has sank. For a lot of people, it has sank. What if, what if your hope is in that loved one that passed away? See, it's very dangerous for you and I to put our hope in anything except the promises of God. Because that's the only thing that's untouchable from this world. Right? Moth can't destroy it. Huh? Rust can't eat it up. Huh? It can't go away. Our hope has to be in things that this world can't affect because this world is broken and it's tearing junk up every day. And it's destroying people every day. So the way that you and I get to a place where we are really salt and we are really light is first we've got to get our hope in the right thing. And there's only one place for that hope. And that's in Jesus Christ. That He is who He says He is. And listen to me, Jesus can't be a great prophet and a liar. So He's either exactly who He says He is or He's a liar. And He said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father 
but by me. So Christ is either exactly who he says he is, and he says he's the son of God, or he's a liar. I believe he's exactly who he says he is. That's where my hope is. Because if he is who he says he is, all them promises he made, you can take them to the bank. Right? Every one of them. Every one of them. That's where my hope comes from. And when I have that kind of hope and it's rooted in that place and it's not rooted in the junk of this world, it's not based on my income, what I drive, where I live, who mom and daddy are, none of that stuff matters. The only thing that matters to me is Christ is who he says he is and he's promised me things that nobody else can supply. My hope's in that. Then my faith in Christ will be seen. Then my love for others will be seen. Then I will be salt and light. So now that we understand that, i got to figure out how to get this hope because we've determined that the way we get to where we want to be as Christians is that our hope be rooted in the right thing and that can only be Christ. That He's exactly who He says He is. That we have that blessed assurance. Right? Not, not hope like I'm standing on my, my I'm, I'm, I'm not, not this hope like I'm, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old standing in the front yard and I can hear the ice cream truck. Whatever that little tune is they play. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? And you're standing there with your fingers crossed and you're hoping, and you're hoping that he comes down your road. And it gets louder and louder. And then all of a sudden it starts going. And it's fading away. You know why? Because he didn't make it. I ain't talking about that hope. Because that hope let me down. I'm talking about blessed assurance. I'm talking about you can take it to the bank. Hope. I'm talking about guaranteed hope. It's completely different than ice cream truck hope. Ice cream truck will let you down. Keep going. We're going to dig into this thing. Look at here. Verse 5. Uh, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Look, here's where this information about this hope comes from. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So, so see, here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take this all the way down to the most elementary level so I don't leave nothing out. So here's where we are. If I want to be the salt and the light, if I want to be the one that Paul looks at just like at this church and he says, I'm thankful for you because of your faith in Christ and your love for one another. So that's being salt and light, right? Then I've got to have my hope rooted in the right place. That, that place is Jesus Christ. Well, where do I learn about this at? Where do I find these promises? One source. One source. The word of truth. The gospel, the gospel, the Bible, God's word. A lot of people are standing around, wandering around, stumbling around today, waiting on God to speak to them. Let me assure you, he already has. If you want God to speak to you, you really want God to speak to you, go pick up his word and read it. And listen as you read. Don't read for the opportunity to get done. Say, hey, I read it. Read it for the opportunity for God to speak to you. 
Now, I'm not telling you God can't speak to nobody but one way, and that's just through His Word. But here's what I'm telling you. If you think God spoke to you, go compare it to this. Because if God spoke and it contradicts this, that wasn't God you heard. It'll all Everything God ever says will line up perfectly with what He's already said. I ain't saying He can't speak to you through a song. I believe He can. But I can tell you this, if you think God told you to do something through a song, you better go find it in here and compare it. Because it'll always line up. So you were waiting on God to speak and He already did. And you know what the saddest part of all of this is? We have all of this at our fingertips. And you know what we do? Yeah, y'all know. You're, you're just as guilty as I am. You know what I'm fixing to say. You know where we spend the least amount of time? And then we walk around going, man, I ain't heard God speak in a long time. When's the last time you read it? <laughs> Probably about the same amount of time. See, these promises, this anchor of our hope is right here in front of us. The source of this hope is all described right here in this book. So if this is the hope that I have, if this is really the key to all the problems in my life, if this really is going to unlock the mysteries of God to me as a Christian, why do I spend so little time in it? One of two things. You're either lazy or you don't care. Bottom line, cutting right down to the, to the bones of it this morning. It's the only explanation it can be. It's the only explanation it can be. Either I'm lazy or I don't care. And at the root of it is, I love the world more than I love the Creator. <laughs> that weren't true I'd spend more time here than I would anywhere else it would be the most important thing for me to teach my children it would be the most important thing for me to share with my family it would be the most because listen this is the source of hope remember what we're trying to discern here this is my source of hope and the way I learn about my source of hope is right here the gospel the word of truth. Look, look, keep going. So what I'm trying to get at is what I have discovered in reading these passages of Scripture and studying them, my source of being salt and light is knowledge of God. And, and we're going to see Paul say that here in just a second. Keep reading with me. See, it got real and, and it wasn't funny anymore and I lost half of y'all, so i got to go back up here. Right. Listen, I know how this works. I've been at it a long time. Y'all ain't fooling me. Come on now. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Now let's, let's think about this for just a moment. The gospel, the word of truth, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. See, it's been tried a whole lot. 
You can't stop the truths of God's Word. You can't shut it down. You can't cancel it out. You can disagree with it, but that don't make it not true. You can say, well, I didn't want to hear that this morning. That doesn't mean I stood up here and told you a lie. I read to you from God's Word. Just because you don't want to hear it doesn't mean it's not true. Just because it hurts your feelings doesn't mean it's not true. It is increasing. It's bearing fruit and increasing every time it's talked about, mentioned, read from in its truth. Now, this idea of mixing it with other things, and that's not new. It's been going on for a long time. But mixing it with other things and calling it the gospel when it's really not, that ain't, do, that ain't doing nothing. But this word of truth, this pure form of the gospel, look at what he says about it. It is and does among you. Look at what it's doing. Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it. And look at this very key word, and understood. See, I've already said that your hope comes from spending time in God's Word when really the hope comes from understanding God's Word. It comes from understanding God's Word. It comes from understanding the promises. It comes from understanding exactly who Christ is. It comes from understanding exactly why He came to this earth in the first place. Why He spent 33 years here. Why He died Buried and resurrected. It comes from understanding. But listen, there's only one source of that understanding. You're not going to understand it watching Channel 5. You're not going to gain more understanding by watching Fox. The only place you're going to gain this understanding is in the Word itself. Allowing God to speak to you through His Word that He's already written. Man, this thing is so full of promises. Listen, as your understanding of God increases, so will your desire for God. But it's not going to come by laying it under your pillow, osmosis style. Sleep on it and hope it sinks in. It don't work that way. No, it comes from you spending time. It comes from you spending time with like-minded people. Our family got the opportunity to go and meet some new folks yesterday all the way down in Gunnersville, Gunnersville, Alabama, somewhere down in there. Great folks. Everything we talked about, that woman said, there's a message in that. <laughs> Chill out, sister. I'm the preacher, not you. <laughs> but we got the opportunity to meet some more like-minded folks that we've never met before. They're, 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 they're not even near us. I mean, they're two hours away. But it's another opportunity to surround ourselves with like-minded people, people that believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what happens is we step out into this world and we get surrounded by not like-minded people. Man, it makes you tired spiritually. It'll drain you down spiritually. Next thing you know, there's junk coming out of your mouth and you don't even know where it came from. Well, it's because you're spending too much time not gaining understanding. In God's Word, with God's people, 
prayer time, study time, small group time, Sunday school times. Oh, y'all didn't know it was going there, did you? <laughs> Every opportunity. Every opportunity. Listen, how many hours do you spend in this world getting tore down? Versus how many hours do you spend in the gospel surrounded by like-minded people? So which one's most important to you? Well, you can say what you want to. But I know what you believe according to your actions. Keep going. Because I want to show you something about these folks. <clears throat> um, let's, let's read 6 again. Which has come to you, the gospel, the word of truth, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard and understood the grace of God in truth. Here's the fact of the matter. Except for God's grace, we don't have a chance. Never one of us. I'll give you a prime example. That family I told you we met yesterday, they adopted three kids from Guatemala. All of them are the same age. They did not get them all three at the same time. They got one. They thought this one was falling through. They ended up getting it. Then they got another one going because they thought that one was falling through. and That one came through. One of them's got autism. And they knew when they adopted him he had autism. Three children from Guatemala that they brought to the United States. They were three years old. They, had, they went from having no kids as a married couple to having three under the age of three. They're 18 now, so they survived. But here's the thing. When we were talking about this part of their story, they had applied for one. Of course, as we know, that's a corrupt government. So every dollar they can squeeze out of you for anything you're doing, that's what they're going to do. So the government goes to hollering, we didn't get this, we didn't get that, and they're going, we done paid you, you got to pay more. So they ended up having to pay double for one of them. The other one they thought had fell through. Well, they couldn't even imagine having to pick. They presented them as two at a time. They're not brother and sisters. They all come from different moms. So how did they decide which ones come home? And which ones got left? One of them... It's from a, had four siblings, I think. One of them has like five siblings. One of them is an only sibling. Well, it don't seem very fair to me that we brought three of them here to give them this great life and left all those others. Who decides that? The grace of God. That's the only way it can be explained because you and I can't even fathom in our minds having to decide, right? I can't. So, so what decided that I get to be born here in the United States where I'm spoiled rotten and those people are born over there where they're barely getting by? It's only the grace of God. How did this family come up the way they did and we ended up where we're at the way we did? It ain't got nothing to do with me. Boy, I'd like to take credit for a lot of it. Now, I'm not saying you don't have choices to make. You have choices to make. I have choices to make. We're not robots on a track and you just walk out what God's laid out. But at the same time, it's the grace of God. When you understand, look at this. 
you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Look at this. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of the of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. People's, people's reporting back to Paul. People's talking about this group of people. And this all remember, we're all trying to figure out how do we become soft and light? How do we become the, the people that, that gets reported back on that, hey, I can tell you two things about them. Their faith in Christ and their love for one another. Their love of the saints. And Paul didn't just say the saints. He said all saints. The key to it is, is getting to a place where a hope's in the right spot. The key to that is understanding the truth. Keep going. Let's look what Christ has done for us. And so, verse 9, from the day we heard, from the day we heard about all this stuff he's just mentioned in those previous verses, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. See what Paul's praying for them? That they could be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Look at that. Paul's prayer for these people. He could pray for anything under the sun for these people. And look what he's praying for, for their knowledge of God's will in spiritual matters and understanding. Man, it's so important that we understand. So look here what that's going to provide for them when, when, when they receive that. The reason Paul's praying that for them so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. His desire is that they are pleasing God with their daily life. You realize what my desire for every one of you in here is? For us as a group, for us as a church, is that every one of us would lead a life that God is pleased with. I mean, what more could you possibly ask? I mean, you can break it down into so many things, but I can't think of anything more fulfilling, fulfilling than knowing that I was a part of a group that when we stood before God, He was pleased with what we have done. That's going to come from understanding. Look at here. Fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Man, that's like the third time. The knowledge of God. Your understanding of God. When your knowledge of God increases, your desire for God increases. Being strengthened, look at this, with all power according to His glorious might. Not power He's poured into you, His power. For all endurance and patience with joy. How many of y'all are happily patient? How many of y'all are joyfully patient? Yeah, me neither. I, I'm barely patient. 
And a lot of times, don't test me on that one. The only way you and I accomplish these things, think about that, that you could be joyfully patient. That's not coming out of you. That's only coming through Christ. My whole thing this morning was to go through all of this and explain to you there is no way, it is impossible for you to be salt and light without Christ. It's not possible. The only way that you become salty, and we've seen what salt does, right? The more salty you are, the more light you shine. We've proved that this morning. And the only source of that saltiness is God himself, an understanding of God, a knowledge of God, a knowledge of God's will for your life. And there's only one source of discovering that and finding all that information out. It's God's word. You're not going to better understand God if you're not spending time in God's Word. You're not going to better understand God. You're not going to gain knowledge of God if you're not hanging around with, surrounding yourself with godly people. That's the reason, the, the lack of these things in Nick's opinion, careful with this one, the lack of these things in Nick's opinion is the reason why it's a shame if you're called a saint. It's the reason why we have grown people that don't know which bathroom to use. It's the reason why we live in as broken a society as you can possibly imagine. It is the lack of understanding of who God is and a knowledge of the promises He's made. And that's our fault. As Christians, it's our fault. We hadn't been salt and we hadn't been light. No way we can expect to share something with somebody that we know nothing about. No way we can know, think that we know something about something we don't spend time with. Most knowledge comes from experience. I hope and I pray that, that you've understood clearly this morning the only way we can be the salt and the light that God desires for us to be is that we stay connected to God. Our hope is in Christ, right? And the only way we have hope is that we understand the things He's promised. The only way we understand it is grow in knowledge. The only way you grow in knowledge is to spend time with Him. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. Dale, I'm going to ask Dale and the uh, worship team to come back up here and, and lead us in a song, an opportunity for uh, um, whatever God has laid on your heart this morning, whatever.